Nightmares podcast. We are sociologists that talk horror films. My name is Marshall Smith, and I have a long-time passion for horror as a genre that is particularly interesting because it can serve as such a interesting sandbox for the exploration of people. And I'm Laura Patterson. Uh, Marshall and I both have our PhDs from the University of Colorado. And I always say that I, I like horror because it gives us a venue to talk about the darker parts of human experience and that that is really needed and helpful for people and, and is a way for people to connect in society. Uh, this film in particular, however, I would say my appeal is not at all based around that. I think when I first started to like horror films, I just thought they were fun and exciting. And this feels like a throwback to that in a way that actually, in some ways, challenges my cohesive sense of morality. So <laughs> for that, I slightly judge myself, but um, I enjoy this film nice. a little bit. <laughs> and I certainly enjoyed the earlier parts of the franchise, just because they're bad. Right, and the franchise is Rob Zombie's... Trilogy, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and then this is Three from Hell. So the third film in the trilogy. Written and directed by Rob Zombie, starring Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, and this is apparently Sid Haig's last film? He has two coming out um, posthumously. Is that how you say that? Posthumously? Posthumously, yes. (laughs) Yeah, he 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 has two more. So Sid Haig makes an appearance in this film, and yeah, we watched it out of Laura's interest in what Rob Zombie did to finish off his trilogy, and that's that's fine. I totally get that. Did we we didn't spoil anything, did we? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, maybe the earlier Rob Zombie films ever so slightly. Right. But why are you watching this one if you haven't seen them? (laughs) Right. So, yeah, really no spoilers. This is just part of the, or we discussed the trilogy. And find us on Instagram at Collective Nightmares. And let's talk Three from Hell. Go for it. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I just spent two hours with my high school boyfriend. (laughs) And... (laughs) I therefore feel like I have a very skewed perspective on this film, and I can't be trusted at all. High school boyfriend being Bill Mosley? Maybe, sort of, but also just, I I had a very childish fascination with this film for a very long time, in what feels like high school, but was actually probably my mid to late 20s. Wait, which film? With all of Rob Zombie's films. Oh, And yeah, okay. sort of also being quasi in love with Bill Mosley at the same time. But, like, I've seen them all a lot. And 
I feel like our relationship was a little bit childish, maybe bordering on unhealthy in retrospect. <laughs> like, there were times I sat around with friends eating vodka snow cones because that seemed like a reasonable thing to do and um, watching these movies many times over. And I don't know, I just feel like a child in my memory liking them. Um, but by the same token, I'm oddly fascinated by the characters and just the ability to spend two hours with them again was really cool and kind of sad in the same way that it would be to like go spend a couple hours with my high school boyfriend you know in that like oh look his face does that thing I remember that or like I want to go see the house again and I remember this bathroom and you know that's all like really emotionally sort of appealing and at the same time maybe a little bit depressing and, you know, you can't ever go home kind of thing. And so somehow that emotionally tied into, like, what happened with Sid Haig recently. I mean, him looking so sick in the movie and then knowing that he passed away, like, what, days after it was released. And there was a little bit of playing back on their old stereotypes of the characters, which, again, felt kind of like, oh, 10 years have passed and... On the one hand, I'm so happy to see you being you again. And on the other hand, I expect some sort of growth <laughs> over those 10 years. <laughs> and part of me thinks we should just go eat vodka snow cones together and, you know, not pay too close attention to the fact that there's something sad about this. And part of me also feels like I grew up. <laughs> like, and they grew up and then one of them died. <laughs> like I said, it's very skewed. I don't know if I can I can offer a real perspective on it. I just really enjoyed spending two hours um, with them again. I it was nice to see them. <laughs> I both miss them and don't miss that part of my life at the same time. Was that too much personal information to lead with? No, that's fine. Okay, I don't have that nostalgia. Yeah. I'm curious how good a film it was from someone's perspective who doesn't have that history because it could have been really boring to say I, wander through the bathroom and recognize the doily <laughs> yeah that's totally I felt like I was watching the home movies of somebody I didn't know oh interesting I, 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 I was struggling to stay awake through the whole like time they were in Mexico until the killers showed up. I got virtually nothing out of the film. I thought it was painfully bad. It was tedious. It wasn't painfully bad. It was just tedious. I just never cared at all about anyone. The only thing that saved it from being like on our scale from martyrs to deja vu, it was in the same like ball. Marcus Deja Vu. Really? <laughs> I, I mean, it was, yeah, it was totally, it was terrible. Like you said, there was, I, I just, there's no growth. I, I had no interest or care for the characters at all. I haven't watched those movies in a while. I remember hating House of the Counts and Corpses when I first saw it. I remember actually thinking less of you as a person because you liked <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> Some long time ago in graduate school. And then Ouch. I remember. <laughs> And then I remember watching the film uh, at your uh, apartment for a Halloween thing, and I remember thinking, it's not as bad as I thought. And then I watched Devil's Rejects, and I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good. And then he made Halloween, right? 
Was Lords of Salem next or Halloween? No, Halloween. Uh, the Halloween duology. Halloween and Halloween 2. And then Lords of Salem. And for me, he still very much peaked at Halloween. And I didn't see... Oh, maybe I did. What did we watch? 31? We didn't watch it together. But, but I, did I you watched see it. it. I oh, my God. That it. was... That's how this felt to me. Only... Yeah, that felt very much the same way. I felt essentially the same way watching this movie as I did in 31. That's interesting because what you're saying really fits with the critical reviews of this film. Oh, have you looked at I, I did. I didn't want to. But when I found out that this film even existed, it was too late for us to go see it. You know, it was released for three yeah. nights, whenever that was. And I didn't know they were going to be doing this follow-up release. And I was just so curious because I had yeah. such a history with the film. I really wanted to know if it was going to be terrible. And I had lost all faith in Rob Zombie after 31. Mm, I just... Yeah. That was such a mess. Well, you know what? I, I won't quite say that. I, it was absolutely a mess and the movie was terrible. The first five minutes was really cool, though, and it almost made me wonder if he just didn't try, and I got irritated with him yeah, for somehow like, using his power or status or something to produce a pile of crap that people end up watching then, and thinking that maybe he still had some talent. So I, I really wanted to know if in this franchise, if he was going to like reinvest himself and it could be something good, or if it was just going to be a mess, and the reviews were just so bad, uniformly terrible. Except for, like, one really glowing review from, like, Roger Ebert or whatever. I mean, I know he doesn't do... Whoever does reviews for him anymore. Really? Yeah, it was, like, it was like they thought it was perfect. They gave it, like, 100% on Metacritic or something. Everybody else hated it, but that one person really liked it. And so I was really... Um, Did they say why? <laughs> why they liked it? Yeah. It was something along the lines of, similar to what I said, I think, like, oh, hanging okay. out with old friends kind of thing, I think, if I remember okay. correctly. But I expected to hate it yeah. in the same way that I hated 31. Yeah. And I was really disappointed about that and was torn, honestly, on wanting to see it. But then thought, no, I can't. You know, it's like I can't not go to the reunion. Sure. I just want to know. And I, 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 was, I liked it so much more than I expected to. Now, granted, I went in with, like, terrible expectations. So I'm not saying that it was excellent. But I actually enjoyed the whole time. Of being there because I enjoyed the characters from before and it was fun to see them again. That okay. said, I don't think it had a, a message really. It had a couple little strings of things that were slightly interesting. Did it? You're making a face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought they repeatedly came back to the theme of like cultural relativity, right? How bad are these people relative to everything else that's going on in society? They, they, they hit that, like, probably five times. They really did. I mean, there was Captain Spaulding's speech. I dozed off, and I didn't realize it. <laughs> it was, okay, Captain Spaulding, right at the beginning, was saying something about, like, you know, you want me to be the, like, bad guy that you can hold up on stage and say is terrible. Like, like kind of... And I thought that actually fit with, like, the clown parallel. Like, I'm going to do this dance for you, society, because you're going to tell yourselves that you're good and I'm bad, and you're going to, like catch me and take care of me, you know, and, like, by containing me, you somehow contain evil. and That whole argument. And that came up, like, several times throughout the film. I mean, it came up when, was it when Otis was killing the warden guy, and he said, you know, when I showed up, you said I was the product in your death factory, and now you're the product oh, okay. in my death factory. Oh, okay. There was, um, oh, 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 there were more. 
There was totally more. Okay, there's the warden who tried to kill baby. Sorry. Which was, again, a similar kind of... Uh, yeah, you're going to get what's coming to you because of what you did to me kind of thing. Um, I feel like I, there maybe was something there with like the sort of death squad people in Mexico at the end as well. I felt like it was... Did you ever see the South Park that was the critique of Family Guy? No, I don't think so. They referenced Minority Report... And so the secret of Family Guy was there's three dolphins in some room picking balls out of a pile with, like, random topics on it. And that's what, like, every Family Guy joke is. (laughs) There's absolutely no cohesion or context or anything for any of it. And that's what I felt like this. I felt like this was just a mush of tropes. It was better acted than Deja Vu. And he's, his aesthetic is, I think, is what has saved him. Or at least, uh, maybe not saved him, but kept life support attached for, for this long. Is he, he does have an eye for the aesthetic. The, the editing was, to me, felt like somebody was really just trying too hard. Uh, and was often rushing things and cutting, smash cutting things that didn't need to be done. and But... He does a he does have an eye and the music is fine, but but wow! I wish he would hire somebody to write, or I wish he would accept scripts and find one from somebody who actually has a story or a plot. I really I don't understand. At best, I ever thought House of a Thousand Corpses was like fine, but then I did think Devil's Rejects was really pretty good. And we talked about this, that maybe just because it was so much a, a reboot of Last House on the Left. Halloween, I still, I really loved. But I guess what I was going to say is I'm trying to decide how I feel about the fact that maybe a, that I didn't ever love the characters and how that impacted this. And I was, I was thinking... I don't understand why I was ever supposed to care about these characters. And then my thought was, well, I guess I'm supposed to care about them from the previous two films. But I I don't know, Laura. And then I, I don't know. Like I said, I um, it was a push. Uh, I'm in your shoes as much as I ever have been with just being exhausted and... I was just like, I just, yeah, I never felt any attachment. And all of that felt, what you're talking about felt very, it felt very natural born killers, but we're 20 years later and this still wasn't done as well. And Oliver Stone strikes me as a really just shitty person. (laughs) I don't really know anything about Rob Zombie, but his film was at least is at least very interesting, at least National Born Killers is, about, like you were talking about, the relativity and and making the criminals the, the stars and some commentary on that and the celebrity around it and whatnot. Uh, I, I very much related to what you said about, like, it would be nice to see some growth in the last ten years. 
I I don't understand why. And then just the complete absence of connecting pieces of plot. I, I just felt like there were huge jumps from now they're here, now they're there, now they're out of prison, now they have guns and hostages, and now they're in... Now they're in Mexico, and now they're in this hotel room, and and there was never any believability to that for me, and I'm okay with it being completely unbelievable. When am I okay with that? I feel like there's films we've watched that I've been okay, I've been okay with it being totally implausible. I'm trying to think of a good example. I was thinking of the In My Skin, maybe. But I feel like... Okay, maybe. Because I feel like for you it comes down to the argument. And so if the argument is there and is strong enough and interesting enough, you don't care so much about it actually reflecting real characters in real life. Maybe. And even, what was the one we saw that we had nothing to say about? (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Right, exactly. Piercing. Piercing. Even that was totally unbelievable, right? But somehow it's still sort of hung together as a world. And this didn't... I don't know if I just needed... I felt like I was watching, like, kids, like a Pikachu cartoon where, like, things just jump from one to the other. Maybe that's my getting old and, like, I expect there to be actual transition scenes and segues and some indication of movement in time and place. (laughs) Or maybe, I I don't know what, but... Yeah, I don't know, Laura. I struggled with it. I really struggled with the film. And I didn't have a lot of energy to put into that struggle. And I... (laughs) I, I, And I... Yeah. And and I, I felt like there was absolutely no argument. I don't understand. I mean, I guess I have a vague idea of why we went to Mexico to sort of outrun the law... But the law was never really after them? Well, it would have been. I, I thought, actually, there was a very kind of similar vibe to um, what's the alligator movie we just saw. Crawl? Yeah, in the sense that it wasn't about anything really other than power. Oh, power. I was going to say power. I was going to say it's like almost like a rape revenge minus the rape and with no justified revenge. Just the second half of the film where someone regains power and takes off on a power trip that they were, you know, they come back from the dead at the beginning and then they proceed to just overcome the odds and, you know, get away from the seventh giant large gator that somehow managed to kill everybody else who was wandering within 40 feet. But your main character somehow just gets through it with like barely a scratch and can, you know, pilot the boat across the whatever. And, it felt like a fun excuse to watch that, to watch them overcome all these obstacles and just win as their powerful selves, which is kind of fun. But it kept bringing me back to this interesting question of like, at least in Crawl, that's what it was. At least in Crawl, the the protagonists were fighting for something good, I guess. I mean, even though good was just like their own life. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything interesting it wasn't interesting at all it was just i want to live i don't want to get eaten by a gator like obviously that's not that's not like somehow earth shattering but okay i I accept that motivation whereas these people were fighting 
and wanted to win so that they could wreak havoc on the world and be really awful people in a lot of ways. I mean, that's when they had their little, gosh, is it ever, do you ever think it's not worthwhile kind of moment and conversation? Like the outcome of that was, we, there's still a lot of bad that we can do. We can still hurt a lot of people. And they did, I think, do a good job in this film. And th- this was what drew me into the first one initially when I first saw it in the theater back House in of House of a Thousand Corpses when I was living in Arizona. For, feels like forever ago. And I liked it because I felt like, first of all, it was immediately obvious that the, the, like, the monsters were the protagonists. And it was also immediately obvious that there was no sort of moral high ground that they were meant to be standing on. They were just going to do whatever sort of awful thing they were going to do. Nobody was going to apologize for it, and they were going to get to be the protagonist anyway. And you either like came along for the ride with them or you didn't. But I, I found something appealing about that, and I found that to be different from a lot of the horror films that I saw. That either the monster was played up as the monster and you're running from them, or you know if, if you are kind of meant to revel in it a little bit, it just didn't feel as like unabashed as... House of a Thousand Corpses did, and there was something very fun and also, like, childishly adventurous about that. Like, just throwing caution to the wind, and we're just going to go do stupid stuff we shouldn't do and have fun with it, kind of thing. That I can appreciate, and that I can actually get get on board with. And I'm glad you said that, because at some point I did have the thought of, like, this isn't actually a horror movie. This is just, like, a shoot 'em up action film with horror aesthetic. I never felt any dread. I never felt any suspense that they were ever going to die. I never felt like they were really struggling against anything, even just to survive. And and so maybe... But I could see how it would be entertaining, like a, like a shoot-em-up action film of, okay, you... Whatever, John Wick, you know, you, you, you know he's just going to mow through people. And part of the joy here is to just watch them be terrible. And that's fine. It's like and it I'm isn't. I'm okay it. with that. You it know? isn't, I mean, it isn't. I, I, can, I don't know about if it's fine, but I can at least appreciate that. I mean, I, I like action, implausible shoot 'em up movies as much as anyone, so I'm okay with that. I get that, but I, I, I would never, I would never, I would never call this a horror movie. I don't. Okay, I'll, I'll make one argument for it being horror, but then also I want to say I don't know if it's okay for that to be fine and fun based on all the conversations we've had about the five or six last films we've talked about. So I would actually like to talk about that distinction and whether that's okay. But for it being horror, I think. The sort of, I don't even know how to say it, like, just this very base-level human monstrosity with, like, no empathy. I think the characters in this film reflect that. They have throughout the franchise. I don't think that's new to this film. And that feels like horror to me, more so than action, because it doesn't feel like there's a goal. It feels like the goal is that you're nothing compared to their anything. You know, they're, when, when Otis and what's-his-name, the new character, first show up in the woods with that family, or the woman, the hunters, you just know there's not going to be any sympathy or caring or, you know, there's whatever sort of positive human interaction two people might have means nothing to the protagonists 
in this film. And that feels like horror. It's not that it's tactically helpful for them to hurt people. It's that it's, I guess I would say enjoyable and like enjoyable, like a little kid squashing an ant. I can, and I have no reason not to. And that feels like horror. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I just never got any dread from that. Yes, the, 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 that is very much the horror of so much sociopath narrative. Is yeah, there's no empathy, and they're just doing it for no clear motivation, and they have no human, or they have no, they have no human bond or human sympathy to to prevent them from cruelty, but I really don't know why, but I never I never got the like, oh wow, they're just cold killers. I, I, and I think that's maybe because I felt like the characters were, I felt like they were caricatures more than they were characters. And some of that was dialogue. I think if anyone, you got it, that dialogue was just terrible throughout the entire film. Come on. Like, High school sophomore, I'm going to throw in motherfucker every other word because I think that sounds extreme and I have no other creativity. And what's her name? Sherry Moon? <sighs> Just like such a cliche. I'm going to be erratic and weird just to be weird and that's supposed to be creepy. I just, ugh. Were they, was it better? Were Steve Devil's Rejects in the House of a Thousand Corpses? Were they better? So in House of a Thousand Corpses, I think the structure of the film was so wacky that them being wacky fit. You know, I mean, because there were still a lot of scenes where Sherry Moon Zombie was, like, equally weird and out there. And, yeah, switching, like, kind of mood swings that didn't really make sense and just putting on a show and... But I think it fit because that was the whole aesthetic. It's like they were actually literally putting on a show for chunks of the first film. And maybe and, that was interesting 18 years ago. Well, yeah, and I think it, I think it fit that <laughs> when film. Did, when did it come out? Has, has uh, I, it was when I was around. I was in Arizona. 2000s, yeah. I was like 23, 24, I'm going to say. How old am I now? <laughs> That's a long time ago. <laughs> right. Oh, no. So anyway, a long time ago. So again, we're back to the... I hope do we have any growth for the last ten years and twenty? How many? Twenty, right? Yeah, no, ish, not really. And that was like both, like I said, reassuring and a little sad. It's like yeah. it's like they showed up at the door and they're wearing the same outfit, and it's kind of oh, you still dress like that? Oh, you still dress like that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess we can go do the same stuff we used to do. That might be fun if I don't think about it too hard. Um, I still dress like I do in high school. I can totally see a, I can totally see a high school ex-girlfriend being like, wow. <laughs> but I've come on such an arc and such a journey to arrive back at where I was. Um, anyhow. And the second one I thought was really good, but I also, again, it feels it feels very young and naive in my trajectory of... of liking horror films at least because I didn't even know it was homage to Last House on the Left I hadn't even seen Last House on the Left I didn't see it till years after that and what I don't know when I when I think back to what I liked about those films I think a lot of it was so I like the aesthetic 
And I do think Rob Zombie does. I mean, he, he's, he can make things beautiful and he can make them fun. And he has a real talent for that. Yeah. And there were a lot of scenes in those first two films that were just really good. And, and still, yeah. even the opening to 31, I think, was great. This one, I felt like, was consistently better than 31. Like, way better. Yeah. And yes. Lords of Salem, I also kind of hated. So I think it was consistently better than that. But it was never great. Like, there were no moments of brilliance. And often, when it did get stylistic, it brought me so much back to his old films. Like, it was so obviously just like, oh, you're kind of copying that scene of yours from before. And that, again, felt kind of sad, because... I liked it the first time. I kind of almost like being reminded of it, and yet at the same time, I'm depressed. And then I think about Sid Haig dying, and it just all emotionally kind of comes together. Oh. So I, I feel like we've restated the same thing a couple times now. Is that Do you feel that at all, too? Which is kind of appropriate, because I feel like, the, like you said, the film is very much just a restatement. Yes, okay, but I have one more, I think, line okay. that we should walk down with this, which is really... What makes this not morally offensive compared to a lot of the stuff we've seen recently? I mean, if there's violence, there's really... Gratuitous um, violence, gratuitous nudity, gratuitous uh, cultural appropriation. It's It was only offensive to me in that, much like we've, again, we talked about with Deja Vu, is it made, for me, it made all that boring to me. And... But it also, I guess it wasn't, I don't think it was supposed to be realistic. I never felt like it was realistic. So maybe that is so, according to our like rubric, that lowers the stakes. There's just no reason to have the headdress, the Indian Native American headdress and bow and arrow. Like, what the? <laughs> I mean, fine. Just have, give her, just have the guy have a hunting bow if you want her to. That to me was just totally, totally unnecessary and contributed to nothing. So for me, there were real problems. It felt for me it was, and I wanted to look that up. But I, for me, this the word that came to mind was schlock. How so? I just well, I'm gonna have to look up schlock to because uh, that was more of a feeling. <laughs> Cheaper inferior goods or material trash. <laughs> They peddle their schlock to willing tourists. Totally. Yes, absolutely. I think Rob Zombie was peddling his schlock to willing tourists. Okay, but like for how strongly I felt that Human Centipede should not exist. Right. Why do I watch this and just feel like, eh, it's yeah, all right. I, I felt very much like, eh, also. Like, what's the difference? And because Human Centipede is also not terribly realistic. I mean, it's no. it's realistic in, in the maybe depiction of power and violence. I don't mean that particular thing, but just somebody hurting someone else. Like, it's about... It's 100% medically accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Why? I mean, this is closer to real than that. And it was just as... But was it? Everything was so stylized. Is that it? Do you think there's, like, a cartoonish nature? I mean, gosh, not that Human Centipede wasn't kind of cartoonish. But, like, why do I feel like the Human Centipede is just a piece of trash that shouldn't exist and is morally horribly offensive? And this, I leave feeling like, oh, was all right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel that way about Human Centipede, so I can't answer that. But for this, I've, it never felt like it was... Yeah, it felt totally cartoonish to me. 
the characters felt like caricatures. The everything felt the prison was like yeah, totally it's like the prisons aren't this underground sewer pipes and whatever. I mean I don't know if they are or not, but it doesn't seem like they are. That felt aesthetically very thirty one. Yeah. They were wandering around in some building that looks very much like that with leaky pipes and things. And, and the cheap hotel was like absurd cheap hotel. It, yeah, totally cartoon. It felt cartoon to me. That's my answer. I'm going, I'm going to stick with that. For you, I don't know why you were for the, I can't, I mean, clearly I can't answer that with regard particularly to the human centipede. I feel like I should have a higher bar, and I feel like recently I have. I've been holding yeah. this sort of bizarrely high bar for that and feeling comfortable in it. And now for some reason, I don't know, this film skirted that. And I don't know if it's just because I used to like it. Like, maybe it is. Maybe I just was caught up in reminiscing about the good old days. I don't know. I don't know. So their character arc was just that they survived and they're still just as terrible? I think it was very similar to Crawl. It was just, we're going to win, and then they won. You know, they started against the odds and they won. And did you ever feel like they were struggling? Like they were not going to get whatever they wanted? Was there ever tension there for you? No, because of how it started. With it starting by making them sort of supernatural, almost. Like they all survived this crazy thing that should have killed someone. Made it seem like, I mean, if that's the lead of the film, then no, it's just going to be a fun ride of watching them win. Yeah, because uh, I didn't, so I appreciate you saying that. I guess maybe it is, maybe it's some desensitization on my part. I'm, I'm thinking that between the cartoonishness and the, I just was so cliche to me. Oh, go to the prison guard's house and threaten their wife and go to the cheap hotel and hide out and somebody does something dumb so they don't, they can't hide out, but they're not really hiding out because they're still on the spree. And I just was so... And there was a relatively low body count to where horror films are now. And in terms of violence and... It was fine. There were fine effects. There was some blood and whatnot. But without an emotional component to it. I guess that's another challenge with with having three sort of sociopathic characters together. Of It's really good to have one solo sociopath. Because <laughs> if they don't really care about anybody, it's hard to believe that they are really in that together. <laughs> and they're like looking out for each other. Maybe that's part of my issue. Like they, I, there was, it was, it was such, so odd, because they seemed to sort of have this bond, but then they also, there wasn't really any bond. There kind of was. I, I liked mean, their dynamic a little bit, honestly. Like Otis and Baby like each other, but sort of hate each other in that family way where you're yeah. just used to being stuck in the car together and bickering. And there's something kind of cute about that. And I actually thought they did a good job with like the third wheel. Like, not trying to replace Captain Spaulding as, like, a third actual member, but, like, this guy who kind of wants to be there, and they kind of obviously don't care about him as much. Like, we don't care about him as much, and they don't care about him as much, and that somehow made it feel better that he just got treated as that by everybody, including the audience. Right. Which was nice and a little bit funny. And okay. 
I don't know. I I did hate it. It was like a walk down memory lane. But I will say, I leave. I left feeling like, oh, I I have matured, <laughs> and I look back on the me that likes them, and I'm glad I'm not that person so much anymore. You know, I mean, it was cute to get back together for a little while, and now I'm ready to move on. <laughs> like you visited Ohio, and now you're ready to <laughs> yeah, come back like- to. to- Boulder or whatever. I've, I've grown. <laughs> I'm sorry that you haven't as much. Rob <laughs> um, uh, Zombie films. Right. But uh, it was still nice to see you. Okay. I, I can appreciate that. I could see that if I had that sort of attachment to the franchise, I could feel that way. I'm glad we saw it. I really wanted to see it, and I really did want to do a podcast on it. Just because it would have felt unclosed somehow. Given I dressed up as Captain Spaulding my first year here for Halloween. I had an amazing Captain Spaulding costume. If you want, you can Instagram it if I can find a picture of it. It was spectacular. I'm sure our four fans would love to see that. (laughs) It's a really good job. (laughs) Nobody knew who I was, but somehow I found as like a badge of honor. (laughs) That's funny. I didn't. I, I. Never would have guessed that. I made you my own. Well, you took pretty well with Halloween, though. No, always looks pretty good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I decorated my own pigs as beautiful shirt. <laughs> Nobody got. I just looked like a messed up. I don't know what. I had a clown hat on. Should have given it away. I did the face paint. You did. Which okay. totally should have. Right. But yeah. nobody knows who Captain Spaulding is. Nobody really. I mean, not that the movie is that popular now, but I think more people probably have seen it since it's, like, franchised out than at the time, so... Right, right. But somehow, I entertained myself, at least. Right. I feel like when it first came out, it really was Rob Zombie fans who saw it. I thought the first half of it was great. The second half, once they go underground, really lost my attention, but the first half was just so fun. Okay. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think that was true... For like an hour, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but by hour six over the last 20 years, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, I agree with you that I had a similar take in that like, wow, this is a trilogy. They've taken up six hours. And so what have they accomplished with this large chunk of time? And, and it's really not much. And this was 111 minutes. Like th- this could yeah. have been 90. For sure. Easy. Easily. 85. Well, whatever. Yeah. But it, maybe it would have been better if Sid Haig had actually been able to be in it. Right. Because we also do have to give credit for... I, did I tell you this? I read an interview with Rob Zombie yeah. that said that... Um, from what it said in the interview, Sid Haig was... They knew something was wrong. They didn't realize it was quite as bad as it was. And I think mm. maybe he was not trying to let on that it was mm. quite as bad as it was. And so the movie had been written and they were doing like costume fittings and things like that. And that Sid wasn't showing up to the fittings and kept kind of postponing things and then they realized how ill he was and uh rob zombie kept kind of rewriting the film to like cut back Uh, sid higgs part and eventually it got to the point where he wasn't even maybe going to be in it at all and it's something having to do with like the actors guild or whatever that you have to pass a a physical in order to act in a film and he couldn't pass the physical and so he wasn't going to be able to be in it at all and I, i don't know it sounds like they were able to kind of get around that a little bit, but they had to agree to have him do, like, nothing strenuous at all, which is why I think he's only, like, sitting right. in the only scene that he's in. Right. And, um, yeah, he wasn't allowed to be on film for more than a couple of minutes, and 
Okay. So yeah, that's you know tough. That's tough. That's apparently, this third character probably was Captain Spaulding. Sure. I mean, he probably was supposed to be. Right. And that must have been a challenge to write at the last minute. Like you're already doing the costume fittings when you realize that you have to completely change your movie and write one of the characters out. That's yeah. So, so there's probably something lost in that. I, I still don't think that would have redeemed it, but it might have made it more fun. For sure. I, yeah. What what was Sid Haig? What was his illness? Do you know? I, they no. There were like sort of vague accounts of stuff. Maybe something about a fall. It sounds like he was he was sick a while ago, and then he got better, and then he's back in the hospital, and mm. there was maybe a fall somewhere involved. But mm. um, okay. I'm just I, curious. It doesn't. Yeah, doesn't I don't know. Really matter. Do we have more? No, I don't think so. Thank you for walking down memory lane with me on that, because <laughs> I, I actually really did want to do it. I'm, I'm the least I could do after everything we today to try and figure out how to actually get this episode done. Uh, I'm more than happy to have watched it. Sounds like the least I could do. I'm disappointed we didn't go to the theater in part because I wanted to hear you complain about being at the theater. Oh, so I'm a little bit disappointed we don't get a rerun of your rants about non-Alamo theaters. So, and, uh, at some point, we will go to when when I have... It 40. Or something 40. <laughs> we will go to something oh, 40. Oh, it's probably not still going to be out. It's, but it is like the perfect film to do 40 and get a gross popcorn at. This film? No, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there'll be others. Probably. But possibly not as <laughs> metaphorically appropriate as it. <laughs> possibly not. But, see, yeah, there will be. Um, <laughs> there will be. There's so much bad. There's so much bad coming out. Is there? Like what? I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but I feel like... You're just feeling, feeling pessimism <laughs> in the air. Okay. It's, yeah. I, I feel like I saw... So, there's other series or reboots. On the good side, though, I am very interested to see Rabid by the Soska sisters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because and we that was before we started podcasting all all their films that we saw. Yeah, and we never right. went back and saw. Are they Excision? No, that's no. not. They didn't make. No, that. they did that Dead Body did in the Trunk, whatever yeah, that was, and then they did American Mary. Yeah, but we haven't. I don't know what else they did. I thought we saw something else, that, but we never recorded it. So, well, there's also plenty to see. We should try and see something at Denver Film Festival. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for finding the time to do this. Oh, this was God. great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and, and right, I probably and, needed it to move on a little bit. You know. <laughs> all right. Okay. Good. And let's uh, let's do our intro and get you okay. out of here so you can get some sleep. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for joining us. You can find our entire backlog of episodes at collectednightmares.com. By all means, please reach out if you have thoughts for us or suggestions for films. And we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, or review us wherever you can do that. And horror films are our collective nightmares.
My name is Marshall Smith, and I have... <laughs> I got nothing to say about horror right now. I'm struggling, or I'm struggling. Thank you for powering through. Oh, God. I... Barely. I really do. I think I might have done the, like, real long blink at some point when they were in the bar throwing the <laughs> knives at the heart. Oh, yeah. interesting. And then, now let me try you said see. I'm one. Ooh, so I think that actually... Recorded here. It should, you would think. I mean, right, but should and what actually happens <laughs> as there's a lot of space in between for us, it would seem. This is kind of cool. How old am I now? <laughs> That's a long time ago. Right. Oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Omar! <laughs> The accident. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, 